Brogdon gets around. Oh, yeah! Down! Yeah! Way to go out of Malcolm! Strong left hand finish there. Here's a long three by Oh! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Sam Sinclair, and with me, as always, is Jake. Jake, how was your 4th of July weekend? It was good, man. There were no shows around me, but we bought our own and lit some stuff off, so we salvaged it. It was pretty good. Yeah, that's how mine went, basically. It was it was crazy. It, I was trying to go to bed around a reasonable time of 11 or 12, but it was probably about 1 or 2 o'clock before I actually got to go to bed because it seemed like the whole neighborhood had – you know, a tense worth of fireworks, but it was a fun 4th of July and everything. I got to enjoy it with my family. So, but um, today's show, guys, we're going to go over the Pacers' eight game seating schedule that they're going to play before they hit the NBA playoffs. And also, we'll talk about uh, the impact of Victor Oladipo sitting out uh, the rest of the remaining eight games and plus playoffs uh, as the team's actually heading down to Orlando, I believe, today as we're recording this uh, Tuesday night. I believe they're leaving Wednesday, but um, as everyone saw over the weekend, um, Sham Sharani of, of the Athletic uh, reported Victor Oladipo is going to sit out the remaining eight games plus the playoffs. So, uh, Jake, what, what kind of were your inner, uh, your initial reactions uh, to the report? Uh, first reaction was I was surprised. I honestly didn't think he was going to sit out. I thought he was going to end up playing um, just based on the fact that he had played before the break. So, you know, initially I was surprised, but here's hearing his explanation for it. I understand, respect his opinion. You know, I, I feel like Victor's always been a team first guy since he's been here. I think he's shown a lot of, you know, great characteristics in terms of his leadership and, um, you know, his character. I, I think that, you know, he, he has legitimate reasons for not wanting to play. So I respect his decision, but I was a little bit surprised because I, I thought he was going to be able to play. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, the trainer was talking about how, how well Victor's knee has been and, you know, front office even talked about, you know, Pritchard talked about even, I think it was just a few days beforehand, uh, he talked about how Victor is in the best shape that he's looked in some time. But I just think it's, he could be in the best shape of, you know, he could be like a track athlete, but it doesn't matter. It's not basketball shape and you can't replicate, you know, game speed unless you're playing games. And I just think that break, you know, kind of hit at the wrong time because a lot of us saw Victor was hitting his high point. Right, right as the uh, season was stopped. And it's just not – you think about it, you go from rehabbing a full year to being in game shape, or you're, you're rehabbing to get into game shape, and then you're, you play for, what, basically a month, month and a half, and then you have to immediately shut it down. And while people are saying, yeah, he's still working out and everything like that, yeah, he's working out, but he doesn't know when he's getting back into game shape. You know, if you think about when he was rehabbing with the injury – you know, he had a target date set of that January, late January start. But with the shutdown, he had no clue when the season was going to start restart. The season got canceled in early March. You know, they could have restarted in April. They could have restarted in May. Hell, they could have restarted in late July. No one really knew at the time. And so I think that's where Victor's concerns are is just, you know, while he's been at this steady pace since probably middle of March, it's just I don't think it's going to be in his best interest to – accelerate the process and start to have to work uh, or have to work out even harder to get back into game shape in such a quick turnaround. And 
we've seen in football, it's a, it's a perfect example. People, they have a long off season and then they come into the training camp early in the season, preseason, and you see a lot of those hamstring, ankle, calf injuries that pop up all over on teams. And I just think Victor's smart for uh, for one to sit out because as it's been documented. He is up for the Supermax for the Pacers this, this next season. I don't think they'll extend this off season, but I mean, if you're going into your final year, your contract, no matter where you work at, you're going to be one of your, you're going to be one of your 100%. And I think that's what Victor's planning to do. And hopefully he can come back for the 2021 season or the 2020 season. Uh, and he could be 100%. Yeah. And I, you know, I, we don't know what equipment he had to work with. I mean, obviously they weren't working out at the facility. They weren't working out with trainers. I mean, a lot of people didn't have access to public gyms. I don't know if he has a personal gym at home, but regardless, you know, when they were talking to uh, Domas during the part of the pandemic, when everything was really, you know, supposed to be heavily shut down and, you know, he was talking about that he was getting his exercise in through, you know, bicycling and jogging with his girlfriend. And well, that's you know, what Malcolm just, Brogdon has said that he's met or Pritchard said yeah. that Malcolm Brogdon's beginning his, basically he's doing yoga routines while he's supposed to not have any physical activity because he got tested or he got tested positive for the COVID. Exactly. And and I think that to expect a guy that just had such a devastating injury on a part of his body that he's had historic problems with, you know, it's not like this quad was the first that we've seen knee injuries flare up for him. I just don't think that it's fair for people to attack a guy for being apprehensive or nervous about ramping up in a month's time from going on jogs to, you know, playing it against NBA competition and, you know, being in that situation where he went through a grueling year of recovery. And I just think that there's a a fear there. I mean, people don't realize that these are human beings that when you deal with something that's that devastating and he didn't know if he was going to, when he was going to get back, he didn't know if he was going to be the same. I mean, a lot of, things that pop into your mind when you go through that process. And it's such a, a mentally demoralizing process that I think he's terrified to get to that point again. Well, and I at, think that he feels like, go ahead. And he, and it's kind of similar. Look at Andrew Luck. I mean, coming back in 2018, he was, you know, really nervous come back from a pretty devastating shoulder surgery. So I think people overestimate or they really underestimate, you know, the mental hurdle it takes to come back from, you know, either a shoulder injury from a quarterback or a knee injury to a, really athletic basketball player and and throw on top of that you had talked about him his contract extension coming up he's going to be what 29 when that contract is expired and he's yeah this will be his, yeah this will basically be his big contract here yeah I mean he because he hasn't gotten that big contract yet right and he's in line for it if he comes in next season and shows some of the 2017-18 form that we saw before. I mean, that's the goal for him right now. And, you know, there's just really no upside to him playing in this. Honestly, I just, the more you think about it, the more you say, what incentive does he have? I mean, well, even the front office, they didn't say it directly, but even the front office at the beginning of the year, they basically said it's a punt season because Victor had to miss half the year at least. Yeah. I think that the combination of it being, you know, for the front office's standpoint, a developmental season, wanting to see how miles and Domas work together, you know, the addition of T.J. Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, this was really a gelling season. They wanted to see what they had when Victor came back next year. That's a factor in it. The fact that I don't feel, you know, and this is just a personal opinion, but I don't feel like a lot of players and organizations' hearts are going to be in this tournament 
I think that there's a lot going on outside of basketball right now, and I think it's going to yeah, be it, tough. Yeah, it might be like the top five teams. You know, you look at Milwaukee, the L.A. teams, maybe even the Rockets and the and the Raptors. Those probably will be the really team, the teams that go full in. Because I think the I've seen reports that, you know, the Pacers, they don't even want to sign a, a street free agent. They just want to get in there and get out. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense. There's just a lot going on. You know, it's a quick ramp up time for even healthy players. You know, injuries can occur during this. You know, players could get sick. We're seeing a lot of people, you know, pop up with the virus. Luckily, a lot of them are asymptomatic or, you know, it's not affecting them heavily. But, you know, I mean, there's just a lot that can go wrong. And it's just, you know, for me personally, as a fan, it doesn't feel right. That's why I didn't, you know, um, I was I was talking to some people earlier about this and they had revealed to me about Kevin Pritchard saying that Victor was the best shape he's been in since this rehab. I didn't even know because I wasn't following kind of the timeline of this because I'm just not too invested in this tournament. I mean, I'm 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 for them just restarting it in October personally, because I just don't feel like that even the healthy ready players are going to be fully invested in this because outside of the coronavirus, you have a lot of the protests going on, a lot of social issues going on. You know, there's just a lot of things outside of basketball right now that I think are taking away from this tournament. And I just think, you know, for Victor specifically, there you have all of those factors on top of his own, you know, personal worries about injury. So, you know, I mean, there's just a lot going on right now. And I just think that that all of that kind of culminates in his decision to say, you know what, there's just not much of an upside for me to play here. Realistically, I mean, that I don't, I don't want to say they can't compete because I'm really high on this court. But, you know, I just think that for them, the goal is you, you said it when you said that they are just looking to get out of this. I think that their, their mindset is looking forward to next season. They'll have basically everyone intact. You know, they can re-sign Justin Holiday. They can bring back whoever um, is a free agent and bring this exact same team back into the fold next year if they choose. And I think that that's a smart avenue for them to go in. And for Pacers fans, if, you know, for people that are mad at Victor Oladipo, I, I have a question for you. And the question is, do you want to know if Victor Oladipo is a long-term answer as the franchise player? Because if you do, I think you should be rooting for this decision because we want to see what Victor is going to be like next season, because next season will really tell us what kind of player Victor is because Victor's rehab process isn't over yet. Even though he was playing, if people remember when he was getting ramped up his minutes, they had to scale him back because he was still dealing with inflammation and, you know, some sort of some issues that, you know, were a result of him coming back from that injury. So he's still not a hundred percent, I don't think. And he's going to need next season to really prove to us, the fans and to this organization that he's the guy for the next five years, four years, whatever the contract is going to be that they decide to sign him to. And I just think that really this tournament doesn't really show us that. I think next season is what's going to show us that. And for me, I would rather him go into next season, hundred percent. I want him to go into it healthy in a, in a right, in a right head space, because he's, he's obviously not right now if he's deciding to play. So you're not going to get the Victor Oladipo completely emotionally invested that you need him to be. So let's just get him next season because you have a, franchise altering decision coming up after next season to decide whether to bring this guy back and the last thing we need is for him to have some kind of freak injury coming into a tournament that really is a gimmick to begin with yeah so looking at some of the possible replacements for Victor um, at least on the Pacers side you look at Aaron Holiday who I think a lot of people are penciling in to be the two guard now as a starter um, who, do you, who do you think benefits the most really from Victor having to sit out Oh, it's definitely Aaron. I mean, Aaron was, 
Aaron was starting to struggle for, you know, minutes and stuff anyway, you know, the streakiness and, you know, I mean, TJ McConnell was playing well, providing kind of a veteran presence, um, you know, at the backup point guard. And, you know, it's definitely Aaron. I mean, you know, this is another chance for him to prove that, you know, he belongs on this roster. He belongs on this team. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how he responds and if he's able to kind of provide a little more consistency than he was early on in the season when he was given those because he showed some great, great moments. I mean, he had some really electric games. You know, he's a really feisty player. He's a guy that I enjoy watching. And, and I think that this is a really good opportunity for him to be able to step in and be able to show that he has a future on this roster because, again, you know, his, his contract's coming up. You know, he's ending his the end of his rookie tenure with the Pacers, uh, his rookie contract tenure. So, you know, they have some decisions to make on him as well. And the more opportunities he gets to prove himself, obviously that's a good thing for him. Yeah. And he started 26 games, which is actually a lot. I thought I didn't realize it was that many games. 26 is like, that's a good amount of games uh, over at least a 60 game season at least. But yeah, if Aaron can, even if he's not a starter, even if he plays 25 to 30 minutes a night, like that's invaluable minutes and, even I know they call it the eight these eight games seeding games, but we're gonna go over the schedule in the second part. But almost all those games are against playoff caliber teams or teams that are gonna be in the playoffs. And they I would almost count those games as playoff games basically because they're gonna have high intensity. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what Aaron does. He shot forty percent from the field, thirty nine, almost forty percent from the three point line and eighty six from the free throw line this year. So I think if he can keep those numbers, he averaged ten points and three assists as a, really a third point guard most nights, if he's able to keep those numbers, maybe even go up to about 15 points per game, uh, that could be very, that could be very, that could be a very good sign. Cause you know, TJ McConnell, I believe he's got one more year left after this year and maybe they'll give Aaron holiday more minutes. That, that could be very interesting. Um, another guy I look at even a little bit further down depth chart is Edmund Sumner. And, you know, we really haven't got to see him a whole lot cause he's buried beneath a lot of players along the wing, but, and a lot, he's had a lot of injuries last year, but, you know, if Justin Holiday hits free agency this year, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of money to be spent. But Justin Holiday, you know, he shot over 40% from a three-point line this year, and he's a 3 and D guy. I think he's going to be valued among teams. So if Aaron, if Edmund Sumner plays ball in these playoff games, uh, I, I could very much see him getting those Aaron Holiday – or those Justin Holiday minutes uh, next year. Yeah, and we'll see what we'll see what he can provide in terms of the offensive end. I mean, obviously you see the length and and all that stuff makes him a, a valuable cog defensively, but I still think, you know, for Edmund to be able to to crack the rotation in in a large chunk of meaningful minutes, I still think he has to provide more offensively. Um, you know, that's kind of the one sticking point with me when watching him. He's just not, you know, a very effective offensive player. So it'll be interesting to see if he can provide that type of scoring punch that Holiday brings. Because, you know, the great thing about Holiday shooting that high percentage from three is you don't need to give him a ton of opportunities for him to put up 12 points, you know, and, and for you to have a, a guy off the bench that can put up 12 points on that kind of efficiency, um, you know, is, is very, very valuable. And so I think for Edmund, you know, kind of the key for, for him is showing that he can do something like that. And, and cause you can't just, I mean, especially in today's NBA, it's hard to get minutes just based off of defense. You know, it's a different game. Everyone's expected to be able to score and shoot. And I think that he, he has to be a, a two way type of player. Just like, like, I think that that's a perfect, player to kind of gauge him on is Justin Holiday because I feel like that for Edmund to really stick in the league and stick on this roster I think that he has to be able to be kind of a, a, a solid three-point shooter to go along with that defense that he's displayed well I think 
I, don't, I can't remember where I saw the report, but I know Nate, Nate said he wants to play at least 10 guys each night and even into the playoffs. And I think that that's, that's a clear, that's clear that Edmund Sumner and even, even Goga Batate is going to get minutes. So, I mean, if that tells you anything that Goga is going to get playoff minutes, I mean, that just shows you that, uh, yeah, you're looking at me like, Oh boy. Yeah. That just shows that the Pacers aren't really competing. I hate to say it. I mean, I hate to say that, you know, my favorite team's not competing, but it's just, it's just what it is. I mean, it, I, I can, I can kind of agree with you, Jake, that, you know, this is kind of a wash these playoffs, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch and play. And, um, you never know. Maybe Edmund Sumner takes that next leap, or maybe Aaron Holiday shows that he could possibly be a sixth man off the bench next year, or you know, maybe Goga Batate has got added to his game. It's just going to be maybe Turner and Sabonis work together finally. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about the Pacers here in these eight eight plus games once they resume back in in uh, early July or late July, early August. But um, we'll take a quick break, real fast, to talk to you guys about our brand new sponsor, Roster Guy Sports. Uh, go check them out at rosterguide.com for fan interactions uh, and unique perspectives on all the sports that you love. And if you're a young, inspired writer uh, like I was at one point, uh, DM them on Twitter or Facebook at rosterguy. Uh, they'll get you going on what you need to do, how you need how you need to do it, and everything. They've got some great editors over there. Uh, so check out rosterguy.com uh, for all your sporting content. So Jake, we'll go into the schedule now, and I. Uh, we'll break this, the, the eight-game schedule real fast, and we'll break it down in the, the four and four, the first four and the last four. So uh, the first four, uh, the NBA season starts on July 30th, and the Pacers don't start August 1st, which is it's kind of interesting how they don't start to, to, the, or to the third day or whatever when they come back. But um, I, I saw it for the first game, August 1st, against the Philadelphia 76ers. That's going to be a huge game for fifth, for fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, then August 3rd, they basically play every other day. They do have a back-to-back here. So August 3rd, they'll play the Washington Wizards. August 4th, they'll play their back their second night of a back-to-back against the Orlando Magic. Uh, then they'll play August 6th against the Phoenix Suns. And, Jake, looking at that schedule, I mean, you really look at look at it. Outside of the Philadelphia game, you got to think that the Pacers should at least go 3-1 and one in those four games. Yeah, and the Philadelphia game really interests me because, you know, you look at kind of the playoff implications and what Philadelphia team is going to show up down there. I mean, we've documented many times on our show their horrid road record. And, you know, do they carry but that? they play really well at home. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, they're not at home. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're in Orlando. So That I might mean, be the biggest mystery. You know, those teams exactly. that – like the Sixers, perfect example. They played great at home, what, three losses, mm-hmm. but also had only ten wins on the road. Which team is going to show up? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's going to be questions like that to answer. But, you know, I mean, the, personally, I, I don't – I think they might meet somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, obviously, they're not going to have a crowd to feed off of, which I think, you know, if you pay attention to guys like Joel Embiid, that's huge for him. He's really a energy guy. He loves that crowd interaction. And Well, I don't know if you saw, but I've seen some videos of Ben Simmons shooting free throws and even shooting – I know it's not crazy, but he's shooting like elbow jump shots. And his, his form's looking really nice, actually. I don't know if he'll do it in the playoffs. We'll see it here August 1st, but that could be something. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I mean, I, I I feel like that, you know, it's kind of Bush League to jump on him for that anyway. I think he's a great all-around player and does so much more than shooting. And I'm I'm always somebody that, that talks about the game is more than shooting, and I think Ben Simmons really encapsulates that. And so it kind of, you know, makes me roll my eyes when people say, oh, he can't shoot the three. It's like, yeah, well, he's an all-NBA defender and excellent passer, 6'10". 
you know, can do pretty much everything else in the elite level. So I don't know why that matters, but you know, we're, it, it, it's good to see him see those videos. I saw it, um, you know, but I'll be interested to see how they do, but you know, outside of them, I, I really like those matchups. Um, you know, especially those next three after us, when you look at, you know, Victor going to be out now, you know, needing those other guys to step up. And I think, you know, especially with Sabonis being, you know, kind of that offensive X factor that he was before Victor came back. And even when Victor came back, they still need to run through him. And I think those are really good matchups for him. Um, you know, especially in the post when they get back going, kind of trying to re-grease their, their, their gears a little bit and wanting to get back into it, you know, feeding this offense through Domas, I think is going to be a really alleviating thing for them, him and let those guys kind of get their confidence back. And, you know, he's a guy that'll get easy shots at the rim. And, you know, all three of those teams uh, after Philadelphia are teams that, you know, he had success against. So, you know, when I looked at the schedule, that was kind of the first thing that I had thought of because this is, you know, again, when you, when you haven't played in months, you're going to need to kind of get back in the flow of things. I think a guy that can get easy baskets at the rim, get this offense kind of in flow and you play three teams that he's played well against this season and, um, you know, aren't necessarily super strong interior teams. I think that that really benefits us to get us off and going, you know, as, as the season gets ramped back up and going into uh, the playoffs. So I think that, you know, it's a really good start. I mean, you know, obviously you, you don't know how the Pacers are going to look showing up, but based off of if I'm going off of how they were playing, going into this, uh, into this break, I, I think that they could be a three and one team, you know, during this stretch and, and, you know, probably at worst two and two, but you know, I really like the start to this schedule. I like the teams that we're playing and I think it's a good way for us to get ramped back up into game shape. Yeah. And I look, look I mean, you look at the schedule, I can't remember if um, Bradley Beal said he's going to play or not, but you look at it now, watch he's out. Yes. That's what I thought. So Washington, you look at it. I mean, if hell, if they lose their first game, I think the Pacers and the Wizards, that'll be their second game each. Hell, if the Washington Wizards lose their first game, they're actually eliminated from the playoffs, so they could be playing for nothing. I believe Orlando, when we play Orlando on the fourth, that'll be our second night of a back-to-back, but that'll be the first night of the Magic's uh, back-to-back. And each team will play one back-to-back. Um, I think it's it's actually good for the Pacers. That I think it's fairly early. It's the second and third game, plus it's against the Wizards and the Magic. But you look at the Magic, they might not – you know, go full force in the first game, depending on – I can't remember who their second matchup was. But then the Suns, they'll probably be eliminated by August 6th when they play them. Um, I just really think it's going to come down to that Philadelphia game, and that's actually going to be a tiebreaker game because the Pacers yeah. are up 2-1 in the series. I believe the Sixers have the better Eastern Conference record, which would be the second tiebreaker if those two teams end up with the same record. So if the Pacers could end up winning that game, they could very much easily go 4-0 in that stretch. Yeah, which, which, again, would be a huge, huge boost to them getting back in it. And, and you know, again, I think that they got a very favorable start to, to the scheduling for sure. Well, I forgot to write down, but what is your prediction for these four games right here? You think they go 3-1 uh, and one or 4-0? and oh? You know, I want to say 4-0, and oh, you know, but I don't want to sound too, like, you know, just over-the-top homer with the hmm. 4 and 0 oh. but I, you know I can see 4 and 0 oh. you know I like I said I don't want to sound too like gung ho to you know re- say this team's going to run the table or anything but it's just the matchups I just really like the matchup for us you know especially like I said the first first game when you get a crack at Philly when they're you know kind of raw still and you know I think that that's a good time to get a team like that you know it just depends on who's going to bring more intensity and you know who's more ready and you know I trust the leadership on the Pacers a little more than I do Philly to kind of go into that game with the right type of mindset. 
you know, it's just kind of one of my sticking points with that team is I just feel like they're kind of just this weird type of team with talent, but not really, you know, a, a established hierarchy and leadership roles. And, you know, there's just such a weird team for me. So, you know, it definitely is an X factor. It's not a gimme, um, you know, but I, I think that I think they can go four and zero in this, you know, I have written down three and one, but the more I think about it, I've been kind of blasting Philadelphia all year. Um, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my guns and go four and zero in this, in this stretch. And that's, yeah, that's the team you pegged that, that you want, you want in the first round. So it, it could still very much happen. It could still very much happen. But I just think that I even texted you this when the schedule came out. I was like, I would have much rather played the Heat because um, we didn't know how many times they were going to play the Heat. We knew they were going to play them at least once in Philly at least once, but they are going to end up playing the Heat twice. I, th- I would have much rather had played the Heat in the first four games than the Sixers in the last four games because if you we know what the Heat are. We, we, we know they're an excellent defensive team run by Jimmy Butler and Ben Adebayo, and they've got great three-point shooters. We know what they are. But Philadelphia, we don't know how they're going to play going into this in these eight games. And so if I could have changed one thing about the schedule, I probably would have had the Sixers in the last four games and the Heat in the first four games just because I think it would have gave us a clearer picture of how Philly's playing um, if we would have played them late, later on in these eight games. Yeah, with Philly, the, the, the formula is simple until they can prove it and they let them beat you from deep. You know, double team, uh, t- double team and beat under underneath the basket. You know, don't let Simmons get at the rim. You know, I think I think just paint protection is just at a premium against that team. And until they prove they have someone they can just torch you all game from three, I think that that's just and that's really been another reason why I'm not high on this team. Is you know we we talk about the Pacers' lack of perimeter shooting and who we the, <laughs> the Sixers struggle more than we do. I mean, at, at least at least Miles Turner's jacking up you know four game four a game as our center, and you know we have guys that are willing to do it. But you know with their with their starting five, and you know they have a couple guys on the bench that are willing to let it go. But you know until they prove that they can beat you from outside, the the, the onus is going to be protect the paint, protect the paint, protect the paint, and. You know, I just think the formula to beating them is pretty elementary, and I'll be interested to see how the Pacers attack that. Yeah, so we both got the Pacers going four and on the stretch, but the last four, whew, it's a tough one. You got <laughs> the uh, Los Angeles Lakers on August 8th. That's the only primetime game for the Pacers. That's going to be on TNT. Uh, then August 10th, they'll face the Miami Heat, and then August 12th, they'll face the Houston Rockets, and then August 14th, they'll finish up against the Miami Heat again. So, Jake, I know this is a tough – Tough stretch, but outside of playing Philly first, looking at the schedule, playing the Heat two times in three or two of the last three games, when on top of that you probably will be playing them in a playoff series, not even a few days later. Boy, I'm going to set the over-under on Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren fights at one and a half. Are we going to get more than two in these uh, probably six, six to eight games that we're about to see the Heat? Yeah, they, the Pacers fans have been chomping at the bit for the Pacers and the Heat. And, uh, and they even put their dang practice courts right next to each other. Hey, they they're, know what they're doing. They know what's going on. They know what the, they know what the score is, man. They, they're ready to see those two practices. It's surprising, next- though. They, haven't, they didn't put either one of those games like on ABC, ESPN, or TNT, which is really surprising. Hey, they're going to they're gonna save the show for the playoffs. They're going to let fans – the Pacers and the Heat are going to be like the show-stealing matchup. Of, of the entire Orlando bracket. Like, I have a feeling that they're going to have to play those two games. They're going to have to play the playoff series, and the blood is just going to get, hmm. you know, so bad at some point. You know, they're forcing these teams in this Orlando bubble. They have to practice next to each other, play each other. They don't like each other. I mean, I feel like that this storyline. 
It's sad they're not in the same hotel room. I believe they're uh, in different hotels. I believe they're in both different hotels, actually. Ah, that ruins it then. They need to just, if they're going to do it, they need to just go all in. They scheduled us knowing they're going to be our first matchup. Courts right next to each other. Two games out of the last three we play them. Just put us right next to their rooms. Just put us like across the hall from each other. Have a shared breakfast lounge, all of it, because I'm ready for it. I mean, they, like I said, Pacers fans have been chomping at the bit, and we're going to get more than we can handle of this. I have a feeling by the time it's over, there's going to be people, uh, you know, burning heat shirts in the streets and stuff, because this. I, I feel like that this is going to be something that a lot of fans outside of these two fan bases aren't talking about. But by the time it's over with, I think this is going to be one of the storylines that really steals the show in Orlando. So, yes, it's a daunting last four games, but I think that just the precursor to kind of that – that heat series, I think we're all anticipating will happen um, as of right now it would happen. And, and I think that it will happen. I think that that alone makes, makes that tough stretch worth it. Yeah. And I've, I've actually got like one or two gray hairs I found a couple months ago. And I, then I just saw the heat. We play the heat twice in three games before the playoffs where we're probably going to play them again. I'm like, Oh crap. I might get more, more gray hair before we end August. So I'll be 20, I'll be 24 and a month old and I'll have a bunch of gray hairs after we play the heat. But Really looking at that schedule, it's it's tough. And I mean, look at the Lakers. That's gonna be I think that's gonna be their fifth or sixth game against uh when they play the Pacers, and that's gonna be our fifth game. Um, like we said with the Wizards and the Mat or Wizards and the Suns, they could be eliminated. The Lakers, they could probably have everything locked up by that chance. I don't know what their lead is on the Western Conference, but they could possibly have everything locked up by then. And then of course the two games with the Heat and then of course the Houston Rockets is that was actually – I know that's you. That's a game you and me have quietly had circled on our schedule whenever the season was going because we wanted to see Devonis Sabonis against 6'8", Robert, uh, Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker and see how dominant he was going to be. But uh, what do you see the, uh, the Pacers going in these last four games? Man, I don't know. I mean, we beat the Lakers early in the season, which – But know, was, it was without Anthony Davis. I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I mean, Miles will get his crack at him. You know, and Miles' defense was off the charts before we – Malcolm Brogdon played really good defense on LeBron. People forget about that yeah. too. Yeah, Brogdon, Brogdon did really well. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, yes, they're, they're a really tough team, but they're not going to have Avery Bradley, um, you know, so that's a big loss for them. And who knows you know, what I, the White Howard will be. I know he's playing, but I don't – we won't know what he's mentally right. Sabonis still ate him for lunch though. So, I mean, you know, outside of Anthony Davis – like, I'm not really sure. And I, I, I would imagine they would probably stick him on Miles. I don't know. You know, we'll see how that matchup goes. But they're not as – I mean, like, they're they're a really good team, obviously, because they have two of the top probably six or seven players in the league with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And, you know, so it's a really tough matchup. But, you know, I mean, again, the Pacers' depth, you know, they have quality players across the board. I think they're a deeper team. You know, I think they may be, like, a more physically tough team which really led to that kind of, you know, defeat the first time for the Lakers. I, I think the Pacers were just a more physically tough team. So I don't think that's as, you know, kind of a scratch a loss as, as people may initially think, although you're getting LeBron and Anthony Davis at full health, rested. In I mean, playoff so it's gonna be tough. I mean, all those games are going to be tough. I mean, like you said, the Rockets, the one saving grace is they don't have anyone over 6'8". You know, they, they have P.J. Tucker on stilts. But Robert Covington has been playing really good defense. You know, I don't I don't know if he's went up against anybody with the interior abilities of Sabonis yet. You know, I, I admittedly haven't watched him that closely. But I've heard a lot of the defense he's been playing. You know, so I think it'll be an interesting challenge. And then you talk about Miami. We've, you know, had a, had a cl- couple close games with them, had the blowout. 
you know, so, I mean, they're, they're a tough team also. I mean, personally, I think that you, we would be fortunate to go two and two, and that's what I put them, them in, you know, because I don't want to completely say this team's going to wilt against the playoff teams. And like you said, it's potentially – it's but there's, there's the potential that the Lakers have things locked up or, you know, the Rockets have their seat locked up and, you know, that, that something like that could get a win stolen for you. But, you know, I mean, if just putting that kind of, those kind of reports aside that the Pacers aren't looking to really compete in this bubble, I'm just going to expect them to show up with that kind of playoff intensity and, and really give these teams a run for their money. And we've seen what they can do against playoff teams on the road. I mean, they have some really impressive uh, wins against playoff teams. So, you know, two and two wouldn't surprise me. And that's, that's what I put down with, although, you know, 0 and 4 wouldn't necessarily be out of the realm of possibility either. It's just so hard to gauge when we've been off for so long, how this team is going to look. But, you know, I went kind of the middle route just because I've seen the Pacers do good things against playoff teams, especially towards the end, um, you know, before this break happened. And, you know, we're going to be the healthiest we have been in a while. Um, without, although we don't have Victor, but you know Malcolm's healthy, which obviously changes a lot. So I think that they can go two and two during this stretch. And you really look at it against the Heat and against the Rockets. Malcolm, Brog- I, Malcolm Brogdon, I think he went out in the in the uh, first game against the Rockets, but the Heat he didn't he hasn't played against the Heat this year. So that nope. could be you know he could possibly take Jimmy Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler, even though I think all of the Pacers fans want TJ Warren to take him. Oh, that's uh, TJ Warren's guy. Yeah, but I think it, in those final two games, I think you've got to get at least one. And maybe, you know, August 14th when it's their final game, maybe both teams are locked into that 4-5 matchup and the Pacers bench beats the, the Heat bench. But I think that – yeah, I think they're going to beat the Rockets and I think they'll, they'll probably beat the Heat in one of those two games. They have to at least. Um, it's, it's, tough, it's tough picking the Heat or the Pacers against the Heat, especially since, you know, we lost by a couple points in Miami pretty tough loss and then we lost pretty badly at home the last time I played them but yeah the Lakers game it'll be interesting it I think that'll be the first true test of how the Pacers stack up against the real competition in the NBA because you really think about it that'll be the I think that'll be the fifth game for the Pacers and it'll be the fifth or sixth game for the Lakers so both teams will will basically be in shape they'll basically be in playoff shape by then and then I guess the Heat of course in the sixth game you know those those both those teams will be in fairly healthy shape, and hopefully they'll both be fully healthy. So I think if the Pacers are at least competitive and probably and could possibly win against the Lakers, and they could beat the Heat at least once in these two games, um, I think that's a that's a promising sign. I've got them also going six and two, so so uh, we don't differ much. We both got them going six and two here, but I think six and two. I don't know if that gets them to the four seed. I mean, does it? I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. I think. Even when I even talked about with Corey on the last show that it really doesn't matter about four or five. It's all about matchups. And, you know, maybe the Pacers feel more comfortable going up against the Heat than they do the Celtics. But um, I wouldn't sweat too much about if they're the four or the five seed. It's more of, you know, who are they playing in turn, instead of, you know, what seed they're going to be. And how are they playing? I mean, you know, I've just given them their praises for some of the wins that they had this season against the playoff teams like the Lakers, the Nuggets. You know, they had some really good ones that stuck out to me and still stick with me. But, you know, there are also games that we would talk privately about where they just seem to roll over, man. Like, I just didn't understand Philly, the time. At, where at the Philly, real in the year, Milwaukee, the Yeah, game. yep. 
I mean, and I just at times wondered where the fight was in this team and where that type of dog mentality was coming from. And, you know, I know they were dealt a tough hand at the beginning with Victor being out, but, you know, I mean, you're heading into playoff time now. And I know, you know, like, like we've mentioned a couple of times, there's talks that they want to get out of this, but, you know, you still have things you got to prove. Like you're not the Lakers, you're not the Bucks, you're not, you still have things you have to work on and improve. You know, this roster isn't, where it needs to be in terms of, you know, the complete flow of it. They have offensive droughts. They have games where defensively their assignments are missing. They still have things that they have to improve on and show consistency that even though their record was good of this season, they still have plenty of things they need to work on through this, through this stretch. And that's the main thing I'm going to be looking at is, you know, how competitive do they look? How consistent do they look? Do they have their defensive assignments down? Are they leaving guys wide open for, you know, 15, 23s a game? Um, you know, are they going 10 minutes with only scoring four points? I mean, those are the types of things that we saw this year. And those are the types of things that it's fine to focus on next season. But you have to go into next season knowing, hey, we have A, B, and C down that we were necessarily struggling with going into that Orlando shoot. So, you know, I mean, again, the records really don't affect me much in terms of how I'm going to feel about this team. None of that. I'm just looking to see how, how they play against these teams, how consistent they look. And, you know, if they decide, hey, you know what, we want to bow out after they've seen kind of some of those improvements that we need to see and I think the players need to see, then, I, then, then I'm fine with whatever they decide to do in terms of preserving the health of their players for the future. But, you know, I don't want them going into this thing and, oh, we're good. You know, we're looking forward to next season, make a title run, this and that. Because, you know, right now you're the fifth seed. You know, you're not even a top three seed in your conference yet. So, you know, I mean, again, they, they can't go into this with a lackadaisical attitude of, oh, we're just going to, you know, dribble the ball around and get out of here, you know, as quickly as possible. They've got to come in here and say, Hey, we have things we need to work on. We have a young, uh, pretty, pretty green nucleus, right? They, a lot of these guys, first year playing together, Sabonis first year starter, Warren first year on the team, Brogdon first year on the team, you know, Turner in his first year kind of moving around as the four slash five, having to have that mobility um, or flexibility and, you know, just a lot of new faces and, and, you know, things that we saw that it wasn't a well-oiled machine at times. And that's really the main thing I want to see is this team be more consistent and aggressive on both ends of the floor, um, you know, during this stretch. Yes. Yeah, so it's only 24 days until the Pacers tip off. It's kind of crazy that it's only 24 days. It seems like 400 days since the last time they played against the Boston Celtics, but uh, we'll, we'll continue to have Pacers stuff coverage going on for you guys. Uh, it's going to be very, very close. We'll probably – we'll break down the first four and the last four like we did once these games are tipped off and underway. So uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show. We hope you guys have a good rest of the day.